Hi, this is Mouse. I'm Weens. <laughs> we have the Mouse and Weens podcast. I'm the mom that lives in suburbia with three kids. I'm alone. <laughs> She's the hot Hollywood cat lady. <laughs> and we have a fun podcast where we talk about life, love, and loneliness. <laughs> Pubic hair. Come oh, on. Oh, sorry. We hope you come take a listen to us. We're on all the platforms, and we will see you soon. I have PMS. <laughs> Hey, this is Kate. I'm a forensic psychologist and crisis clinician, and I collect stories. Everything from true crime to trauma to parenthood. There's a lot more in common between depression and sociopathy, or between serial killers and podcasters, than you might think. Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss at iwbpodcast.com and IWB Podcast on social media. But how would you know if you saw one? They look just like us. Oh, I'd know. I'd feel its head for horns, and they smell like Brussels sprouts. Oh yeah, I forgot about the Brussels sprouts. Imagine catching one and giving it to Hitler. That'd be a surefire way to get into his personal guard. He'd be so impressed. Then we would become best friends. I thought I was your best friend. Yorkie, you're my second best friend. First place is reserved for the Fuhrer. He, and only he, can have that spot. So unless you're Hitler hiding in a fat little boy's body, I'd be happy with second place. I'm just a... I'm just a kid in a fat kid's body. Case closed. And scene. Hello and welcome to the Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. I am Phil Rude and I'm the dad. And I'm Austin Rude, the son. Every week we watch a movie and then we get on the mic to talk about it. That is exactly what we do. I'm great at summing things up. Good job. Good Thank job. You. Great Thank summary. You. you should work for IMDb or oh. maybe Wikipedia. Even. I should. Would, Anyone can work for Wikipedia. Would, would Wikipedia be like... The big leagues, like, you start at IMDb, but when you get good enough at summarizing and bastardizing what something is really about, <laughs> then you can move up to approving articles on Wikipedia. And then you get to write the summaries for shows on, like, streaming services. There you go. Oh, wow. Oh, that's the big league. You go to Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Although some of those are, like, not at all what the show is about. I know, like, but that's the point. I mean, when you just get good enough at summarizing, you can be way off base. Sure, as right. long as it sounds good. And you can just write it off to, well, I'm just summarizing. Exactly. So, congratulations, Austin. You have a career path now. I'm glad I figured that out. It's all laid out ahead of you. Um, Speaking of putting off career paths, what have you been watching this week? Wow, way to call me out. What? Uh, I'm calling us all out. It's not like we all don't waste a shitload of time sitting and watching things when we true. could be more productive. Uh, it's the same old stuff. Yeah. West Wing, Doctor Who, Korra. All right. The three things. Cool. What well, about you? Those are pretty long-term things, so... Yeah, I get, it's, uh, I'm invested. No other movies or anything... No, I have a few, uh, a friend recommended a Netflix movie to me, but I haven't watched it yet. Uh, which one? 
I don't remember. Okay. It's not a very good conversation piece. Not, well, uh, Charlie Kaufman, I know, had a big movie come out on um, on Netflix this week. And people are talking about it with varied response, like you would expect from a Charlie Kaufman movie. Right. This was a horror movie, I remember. Okay. Um, but I know there's also just been some big releases. I have not seen them either, but Bill and Ted 3 has come out. Right. Uh, Tenet, I believe, is available on demand. I thought they were waiting until uh, movies. I think they were. um, I saw somewhere today that it is released in select places, I think. And I I think it may also... I know some people who have seen it. Okay. And they're either braving the movie theater or seeing it at home. I'm not sure. I mean, got to make money somehow. Yeah. And I mean, there. I'm still seeing movie promos. The new James Bond movie is still scheduled to come out in November. Um, really? Yeah. I know there's just some big stuff coming straight to video and I didn't know. Uh, I know you and I have not yet seen it, but I figured I'd ask if, if you watch something. Uh, yeah. A, uh, those are the two that I'm really looking forward to. I just haven't made time or... Uh, you know, the $25 rental price to, to, uh, yeah, it's a weird time for movies. Mulan came out Mulan, yesterday. Yeah. Too. That's the, that's the other one I was trying and to remember. And not many yeah. people are liking it. Apparently I've heard some good things. I've heard, uh, I, I kind of think a lot of it depends on expectations and how upset you are about paying the rental price on top of your right. Disney plus subscription. And also the fact that it's an adaption of an existing thing that a lot of people love. Which is already good. Uh, you know, yeah. like, yeah. And it doesn't need a remake. I, I saw, I, I would say that about most of the Disney live action remakes. But I, before, you know, the world went to hell and we could still go to the movie. I don't remember what the last movie I saw in the theater was, but there was a, a trailer from Mulan. And it looked like a good kung fu medieval action movie you know what i mean like i was yeah. just like divorcing it from the mulan that already exists this looks like an entertaining kind of movie like legend or or hero uh uh crouching tiger kind of thing you know the the wireworks chinese stuff i don't know how much of that it actually is but that's what the trailer reminded me of yeah it looked more grounded in reality People were like, "Oh no, there's no dragon in it." Like grounded in reality, as as much as some of those movies are. Have you ever watched some of like the Wireworks Kung Fu movies? I, I haven't. Yeah, like a lot of that stuff. Like there's flying. There's there's weird physics stuff, but <laughs> gravity w- doesn't really work for them within within the world of those movies. It does work. It's just presented as this is a thing these warriors can do. They kind of fly. It's very kind of like superhero stuff, you know. Um, right. But it's sort of like this weird Hong Kong action movie tradition that when it came over here, Americans somehow, as obsessed as we are with Star Wars and all of these other fantastical things, could not get our heads around. <laughs> and, and it's, it's just weird because things like Star Wars are based off of samurai. Uh, a lot of that stuff comes from Japan. Um uh, thematically, mostly, but then just the there's sort of an aesthetic to like the Hong Kong to the Chinese martial art movies. We'll have to we'll have to find one to watch on here. I, I and, do want to get into foreign movies. More. Yeah, uh, Crouching Tiger uh, from like 20 years ago is not on Netflix anymore, which is weird because Netflix made a sequel, 
They did? They made a sequel a few years ago, which is also very good. But it was like, oh, I just assumed that since you made the sequel, you would have the rights to this movie forever. <laughs> like I guess the, not. The original. But it is a very good, like, epic action movie. It's very cool. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to, before we go too far down that rabbit hole, like, uh, yeah, we'll have to make a note to try to try to get some Hong Kong. Put it on a list or something. Yeah, absolutely. If only we had one of those lists going. If only. This week, we did not watch Kung Fu. Uh, we watched the 2019 movie Jojo Rabbit. Correct. This film stars Roman Griffin Davis, Thomason McKenzie, Scarlett Johansson, Taika Waititi, and Sam Rockwell, uh, and and a few assorted others. Rebel Wilson. I was just going to um, say. Uh, Alfie. Oh, geez, I always forget his name. He plays Theon Greyjoy on Game of Thrones. Um, that tall guy. I see him in a lot of stuff, but I don't know. Right. Yeah. The his name. The the Gestapo officer. Right. right yeah. Uh, I think he was also made to look like the Gestapo guy in Raiders of the Lost Ark. This very menacing, bespectacled black suit. Right. You know, like this. It's like seven feet tall. Uh, yes. He's insanely tall, which was <laughs> almost its own joke. Uh, it's very funny. Um. This movie is written and directed by Taika Waititi, and it is based on a book called Caging Skies by Christine Lunens. Uh, I did not know this was based on a novel. Uh, I'd heard about it, but I haven't read the novel. I don't know how true to it it is. I don't know if it's a basic idea that that is lifted out. I don't know if imaginary friend Hitler is, is in the novel or if it's comedic in any way. I, I don't know, but I did... Um... When looking for the script for us to do our cold open today, mm -hmm. there was a foreword from the author of the book in the beginning of the script. Cool. Talking about how um, Taika Waititi approached the author asking to do it. So they looked at some of Taika Waititi's past stuff and saw this perfect balance of uh, comedy and drama, sure. which was emulating the same style of the book okay so i i have a feeling it's got a similar comedic approach there's a little bit back and forth sure um it would also explain uh some of the structure of this this movie that i'll get into i uh i enjoy this movie but i didn't enjoy it too much really there uh, don't take that to mean okay, that i didn't okay. like it uh, because I did. Um, but I don't know if I had expectations. I don't know if I would have been in a bit of a sour mood this week. Um, uh, I, I want to save this for our bigger discussion because I feel like it's it's more in-depth. Yeah, we, we can get into We'll that. come back around to this. Why did you pick this movie? Had you seen it before? Is this movie uh, a favorite of yours? Or, or was this just a movie you wanted to check out uh, for a long time? I've I've seen this movie. I watched it in theaters. Okay. And this was my second time viewing it. All right. But it's already one of my, like, top ten movies of the 2020 century. Like, it's so good. Well, this isn't a 2020 movie. This is a 2019 movie. So already I, you're I meant, classifying it. Right? I meant 2000s. <laughs> okay. Okay, um, so just, like, in the recent 20-year yeah. history, it's... It's one of the greatest movies, I think. Wow. High, high praise. I'm sorry. I love this movie. But don't be sorry for loving a movie. I mean, like, this movie connects with you in, in a does. certain way. 
Um, okay, that's... Part of it is the emotional connect. Sure. Um, and I think that's really important to comedy because, like, they're adding this tension and then the jokes, which Taika Waititi's humor is one of my favorite It's very styles. dry, yeah. Yeah, uh, so it's like, it makes me laugh even harder once I've been, like, holding in all this tension. Sure. Uh, and I don't know, it just really resonated with me in the theaters. There's uh, the thing about comedy, I think, that it gets talked about sometimes, but I, I feel like sometimes people miss it, that there are, uh, people have made the correlation between, like, comedy and horror, as being very similar because it's all designed in the same way. It's structured the same way. It's building tension. It's building tension. It releases attention. Right. Everything is about, everything is rooted in something a little bit dark in this case, very dark. Um, and then it builds tension from there. And then the laugh is where you let it go. There's this weird thing about comedy that people think is very easy it's easy to write. It's easy to do. You just be absurd and silly. And that certainly is comedy. But like there are all, there's something about balancing it with drama that I think is very difficult. And I think I think he does it very well. I'm not my my drawbacks to this movie have nothing to do with like the technicality of how he does what he does. Right. There's I, a balance in this movie. There, there very much is. Um, this movie emotionally goes all over the place. Um, and, and I think that's what Taika Waititi does very well. Even in something as silly as what we do in the shadows, there's actually like a couple kind of sad parts to that movie. Yeah. There, there are some very sympathetic characters to it. Overall, it is a much sillier movie, but like the part where, uh, the Nosferatu vampire, is is killed the guy who sleeps in the they, in the basement they leave uh the uh, window open right, right? the va- the vampire hunter tracks them down right and, um yeah like that's actually like they actually play that like oh yeah this is this is pretty sad like this guy lived for thousands of years and now he's dead over a dumb mistake like yeah it, and there's comedy in it there's comedy in that tragedy and i don't think that's easy to do in something like what we do in the shadows you know what I mean? Uh, I I I would say he he kind of doesn't do it in Thor Ragnarok, but that movie is really not designed to have tragedy built into it. Yeah, one of my only complaints about Thor Ragnarok, which is my favorite Marvel movie, it's right is up that there. yeah, uh, there is no there's no drama. Like the first time I saw it, I was like, there's only jokes and stuff like there's a little bit of drama but there wasn't any serious moment I, w- I would argue that's my complaint about the marvel universe as a whole is they're trying to build these enormous stakes up without really doing anything you know without really earning any of the loss any of the even when you get to something like infinity war everybody turns to dust and you know they're not done like it just yeah. it just was like it was the most hollow cheap trick. I I wouldn't have been surprised if Tony Stark threw in like a quippy line like uh another one bites the dust or something. It's something lame. That was all that was missing. It, it was I remember being in the theater watching that movie and people were crying and I'm like, "What is the matter with you people? 
this isn't done. These are these people are all coming back. Like, Check the contract. <laughs> it's like Marvel doesn't kill people in their comic books. They don't kill people in their movies. On occasion, yes, I know how Endgame ended, right. but like the reality of it is, nothing is permanent, and they try to have all these stakes in a world that where there is no permanent tragedy. You know, like it. Sure. So, so, and comparing that to this movie, which is this movie. about a serious thing right. that we all know about. Sure. Uh, it's a lot easier to create drama there. It is. It is a lot easier to have this darkness looming. We know what is going on here. We know we're never shown it. They never specifically talk about the worst parts of what Germany did. The word Holocaust is never it's mentioned. It's never said. It, I don't know that it was commonly spoken about in Germany at the time. It I, probably wasn't. It I, was probably censored. There, well, not censored. It just wasn't spoken of. And I think most German people probably didn't want to know about it. Um, I know there is a a movie with similar themes called The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. I've seen it. Um there is there is a Nazi guard who says something to the like the commanding officer's wife. They're they're presiding over a, a concentration camp. Right. And he says something uh alluding to what they're doing there. And she looks horrified. Uh, like she doesn't know. Like she doesn't know or I don't know if it's that she doesn't know or she doesn't believe that this guard said it out loud. Yeah, I don't think they would have really spoken about it. But I think that they're sitting here, they're facing the end of the war. These German soldiers are completely in denial that they're losing. Even as they're saying, yeah, we're losing this war. Even as they're coming home in bandages and looking horrible. Well, I like that held up against the, the... the Nazi youth that was like heckling him when they're yeah. shipping out, they're like, we're going to war. We're glorious. And then, you know, the truckload of bandaged and bloodied soldiers is coming back. It's, home. it's a great way to say something without saying it something. really is like you are in denial. You are losing this war and you still think you're riding to glory. It's a very, it's a very jingoistic statement to, to make a, a, a way to portray these soldiers that I think isn't unlike uh, modern takes in our society with like the the military industrial complex, the 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 mainstream cable news media that pushes this narrative about, you know, going to war and, and things like that, that really there's a lot of money involved and there's a lot of pushing people to think that going to war is a patriotic thing to do. There's I've had uh, army recruiters at my school sure. when I was in high school and it's very Army recruiters have it's always It's an interesting the culture. Yeah. No, it is. I'm I I'm a veteran. I know what right? that culture is and and um you know, I I'm, I'm not disparaging military personnel or, or anything like that, but I think there's a pro-war mentality that is pretty unhealthy and it's interesting to see this put back 80 years and say yeah like this happened then too like yeah here's here's the other side uh who went to war very enthusiastically and ended up fighting almost the entire world i think (laughs) the timing of the making of this movie is no coincidence i don't think so either and i would say it i don't know if 
this borders on being a preachy movie or if it just seems like it because of the time that it came out. I think there are a, a couple elements that are slightly ham-fisted. Um, it's done for comedic purposes. But like when he's when they go to like Hitler youth camp and they're like, boys, we're going to throw grenades. We're going to do, you know, all these war games. We're going to play with knives and guns. And, and then the like, women, they're women, like, you'll, you know, and they're like, what a great time to be a girl. And it's just sort of like, yes, very true. You know, like that the, happened. That Rebel Wilson's like, I've had 18 children for Germany. Like, like that's funny. You know, like, it, yeah, but, uh, it also is like, man, are we, you know, I'll, I'll just I'll get into this. I, I think the big problem I have with this movie is that it is trying to do so much. It is trying to say something about uh, jingoism, uh, you know, about nationalism. What is jingoism? It's like it's about being being blindingly faithful to your country, even when it is going off the rails, right? In, in a terrible. That's direction. nationalism. Nationalism. Isn't it? It's a, it's a it's all a jingoistic a jingoistic. I guess is the the phrase. Like when you are just blatantly, we are number one. You know, like this, okay, yes. this idea of like, like clearly you're not uh, is speaking of of child soldiers, speaking of um, uh, idolizing a monster, you know, because you've essentially been brainwashed. It talks of propaganda. It talks about it, uh, ident- your identity. What is it versus what you are told it is? And it's also talking about feminism. And it's talking about, you know, like everywhere they are bringing in so many topics. And this is where I think. I think, I think this whole movie is about nationalism, though. I it, mean, it is the about whole nationalism. Hitler is a 10 year old boy's best friend right. in this. No, I, that's what I agree. That That is the core of this movie. But they're also trying to do all of these other things in the movie. And. I kind of didn't notice that in that the much. in the context of a book. I believe they that it sounds like that can be more widespread. They can touch on certain things. It feels like here's an element that was talked about for half a chapter in the book about how women really were were just baby making machines and and field nurses. Right. We're just going to drop that in here. And now we're making a statement about feminism without really exploring it. You know what I mean? Like there was a, it's, it's like, we're dropping this in here. We're not really going to touch on it again. It played as a joke. It's fine. I'm not really criticizing it, but I'm saying it was a little distracting of how much stuff they were trying to do in this movie. When, when at the heart of it, you're right at the heart of it, this is a movie about propaganda and nationalism. I kind of took those as throwaway jokes about like oh these are issues but like sure i didn't find it distracting i'm not saying distracting like oh this really was a huge detriment to the movie i would just call i would just point it out as a flaw of the movie the heart the heart of this movie was about this boy and honestly it's um the other the other thing i feel like that tied in the most that i think hit with me the most was the idea that scarlett johansson was dealing with her son being a nazi and, right. and how much, how disheartening that is. She's she's away from her husband. She's lost her daughter. Right. And now her son is the enemy. Her only family is 
is under the influence of this monster and how she is trying to win him back with love. Like that is the, that is the heart of this movie. And I feel like that didn't get as much play as it should have. I, I think the emotional beats eventually landed, but I, I kind of feel like that was there but it was almost a background plot to uh, the Jewish girl in the wall, which was, I, I, I get, I understand. It's subtext to the movie. Yes. I think uh, Josie is sort of a background character. Rosie. Rosie? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, Jojo. And Jojo and Rosie. And Rosie. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, Like she is part of, she adds the stakes to, this is why we want Jojo to break out of this. Other than the obvious, we don't want a main character that's a Nazi, but... Um, well, he got his save the cat moment at the beginning. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the two main driving forces for Jojo are Hitler in his head and what his country is telling him, and the actual facts of this is a sweet Jewish girl who I have a crush on, and sure. it doesn't line up with what I've been taught. Like, I feel like those are the two things. I feel like Rosie is just sort of adding to the stakes. I don't think she's a driving force in helping him not be a Nazi. No, but uh, that was the that was the storyline that resonated with me the most. I think that's my complaint about it. The, okay. the idea, I mean, this the the plot of of um, what's her name? The girl's name. I honestly don't remember. They only remember say it a either. few times. Um, but the the whole plot of that, it is the plot of the boy in the striped pajamas. Right. Uh, about it's just comedic. A, a, it, it's, it's comedic. It's, it's played in a different way. Um, and it is tragic. But I, I really, and, and maybe this is the parent in me talking, the idea that your your kids values are not your values. I mean, clearly, I mean, we are still dealing with fascism in America. We are, we're dealing with all kinds of things, um, that aren't super far removed from this in like little pot and every, it's a less extreme, every, every horrible monster, that kid who ran down those people in Charlottesville a couple years ago, People who go out and commit hate crimes, people who commit murder, people who are committing lynchings. Everyone who does that is somebody's kid. Yeah. And the the reactions I've seen to that are, oh, you didn't raise your kid right. You didn't do, you know, and it's just sort of like as a parent, you have so much control over your kid, but your kid's going to do what your kid's going to do. They're You're only fall, one influence. They're going to fall under child. the influence. And, and to me, it is it is heartbreaking the way. That that is a reality and that this movie portrayed it. I think that that's the one thing this movie portrayed super well and super in, in the dramatic tech right. the tone of this movie is is her sitting there lamenting that she she's sort of losing her son. It, the whole movie, she's trying to think of ways to make him better she's trying to connect with him and show him that she loves him and show him how great life is but you have to let go of hate to do it's just it's a really um it's a it's a really 
interesting thing that I feel was relegated to the background. I feel like one of my favorite parts of that aspect of the story is when they're in the square and there's the hanging bodies and Jojo wants to look away and she grabs his head and turns it and she says, look, Mm -hmm. this is what war is. This is, you can't look away. Right. She's kind of trying to show him this is where your hatred leads. It is where your hatred leads, but there are also enemies to the Nazis too. You know what I mean? And when he says, what did they do? And she said, whatever they could. I thought that was very... I thought that was very poignant. You know what I mean? Like, And also the f- fact that there was one noose empty was very foreshadowing. Oh, I like, hadn't noticed yes, that. Yes, there's room for one more up here. And uh, it, I knew somebody was going to end up in, the, yeah. in that thing. Uh, but it was, yeah, uh, really, um, I don't know. For, for me, I would have preferred that be a little more in the forefront than his relationship with Elsa is... Elsa, okay. Um, Which was also good to see, but I really, as a parent, I really appreciated the relationship that she was having with her son. And that she, the hope that she had that her son would come around. Can I say, I actually prefer the, uh, with Jojo and Elsa, and even, um, what's his name? The Jojo's best friend? Oh, Yorkie? Yorkie, yes. Um, He's sort of like an example of what will happen to Jojo if he doesn't... um, Like, because he joins the military. Right. And he, yeah. <laughs> he's the bad example. Jojo's the good example, sort of. I like that this story is telling it from kids' perspectives. These are kids that have been manipulated. Sure. And they're the next generation, and they're who is going to fight fascism. Yeah, Yorkie's running around in a paper uniform because they're not even properly <laughs> outfitting these kids. They're just like, yeah, they're cannon fodder. We just need someone, you know. And, Here's a gun. And Here's he, a grenade. Right. He's just doing what he's told because eh, that's what he does. He's Yorkie. But uh, he is the bad example, but he's not a bad kid. He's just a kid who's just. Going along with the the program, he's not. Yeah, yeah. He he even hears that JoJo has a Jewish girlfriend. Oh, you and have he's a girlfriend. Like, That's great. That's not the best thing to worry about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He says we have bigger things to worry about. Not realizing this was the hill that Germany decided to die on. Was, right. You know, like like um, it, it just yeah. It's it's a very that kid made me laugh through the whole thing. He's um, great. Uh, let's let's take a break because we have a lot. I have a lot to pick apart here. We keep getting into it. I know, I know. Before we go all the way down the rabbit hole, I want to drop an ad in here. But um, the JoJo rabbit hole. Sorry. Okay. Let's take a break. <laughs> the following is paid for by the Coalition for a Better Hollywood. For decades, Big Movie has had Hollywood studios in their back pocket. They spend millions to get you to spend billions on movies that are nothing more than sequels, reboots, remakes, reimaginings, Oscar cliché and January releases. Big movie lobbyists have all but ensured original film ideas are ignored, forgotten, or maybe not even real. Are they feature films? Are they quality flicks? Are they real motion pictures? You're soon to be. If not already favorite movie podcast stands with the little movies. 
help put an end to big movies cinematic censorship and listen to the pop-up film cast every Tuesday wherever honest hard-working podcasts can be found. We are the Pop-Up Filmcast, a proud member of the Podfix Network, and we support this message. And we're back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, how was your break? It was good. Good? Yeah. Good. Went to Switzerland. Oh, wow. Yeah. How neutral of you. It was very neutral. Yes. Nothing happened. So non-committal. Yeah. Um, that's great. That's great. Was it a good time? Yeah. yeah. Did you get one of those knives? Just kind of. Did you get like the Swiss Army knife? Oh, <laughs> I didn't even make the connection. Yeah. I was like, what knife? Not the Nazi dagger that that kid got yes. in his leg, but... Um... All right. Um... What do you want to get into? Uh, man, so much to get into. It's a heavy movie. It's a heavy it is topic. A... All right. It is a heavy movie. Here is my overall assessment of the movie. And I'm going to use something I've seen leveled at Christopher Nolan a lot is that Christopher Nolan is a good technical movie maker, but he doesn't connect on a human level. There's this idea that like Christopher Nolan lacks humanity in his movies. Sure. Uh, I've, I've kind of heard that before. I've heard it. I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but I can see where people are coming from. He's definitely more interested in the plot mechanics of his movies. He's interested in the plot mechanics, and the the humanity is there. It's just not delivered in a super emotional way. Right. This is a argument that I want to apply to this movie. I already don't like this take, but this, continue. This movie is done technically well on every level. The comedy is perfectly executed. The drama is perfectly executed. The emotional beats are all there. They're all perfectly well-placed. Everything about this movie is done super well. The music. He uses German Beatles songs to open this movie to show like the hysteria, the, the screaming crowds for Hitler. Like this this celebrity status of Hitler. Super subtle, super genius. It is. I unbelievable. So what's your problem? Something about this movie failed to connect with me on a human level. I recognize all the genius moves that that uh Watiti did. I recognize this movie is super well written. It is super well directed, performed. All the emotional beats are perfectly well placed. I think this movie the pacing is slightly off. This movie's a little bit long. I do agree with the pacing issue. I think this movie's about 15 minutes too long. Um, the It's very clever. The performances are good across the board. But even things I recognize as very good emotional moments, the philosophies that I agreed with, the jokes that I thought were hilarious failed to connect with me on on a human level. This movie just did not lock in with me in the same way that um, uh, one of my favorite movies of the past 20 years, something like Pan's Labyrinth does, where that movie connects with me. That movie is also a movie about fascism. That movie is also a movie about a little kid in this fascist world. Um, same time period, everything. Right. 
Uh, that movie is also about mythological fairy tale creatures. And that movie connects with me more on a emotional level. It's so interesting to hear you say that because I don't know why you aren't connecting with that. I don't know why either. Because I, like, I think this movie humanizes Germans. Like Oh no, I I, I cannot agree more. One I, of my favorite characters is the uh general or oh, I don't know uh, what he uh, is. Colonel K. Yeah. The secretly like, yeah. gay colonel, yes. yes. <laughs> no, I think I I'm not I'm not disparaging any of these things. I think they're great. Okay. Something about this movie just fails to connect with me. I can't even define what it is because I recognize this movie on every level as a super well-made movie. I think I think the the comedy bits, I laughed. I openly laughed at them. Those those things connected with me. The dramatic bits, I recognize as dramatic and sad when he finds his when they show his mother's shoes and bravo for never showing her. Bravo yes. for letting it be the shoes. And, and the whole movie, you see her from her, her, her shoes. Her shoes. That is set up. That is paid off. The the shoe tying. Uh, oh, I, my God. Everything about that should have had me openly weeping. And it didn't. Something about... Maybe it's me, but... We're, we're going to have to watch this movie at another time to see. Because I, 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 I don't, don't know. I don't know. This movie is is so well executed... Something about it failed to connect with me, and not everything has to connect with you. No, no, I'm, I'm, I don't, but I don't want that to come across as I think this movie is bad. I think this movie is very good. I don't know if I had a different expectation for it. Um, I did hype up this movie. A lot of people. Everybody hyped up this movie. I don't listen to hype anymore. Okay. Uh, but but maybe just what I know about Taika Waititi. Uh, and which isn't very much, but what I've seen of his, I've really enjoyed, and I did really enjoy this movie. I, I'm in no way disparaging this movie or saying it's not good. I'm saying somewhere something about this movie failed to connect with me, and whether that's a failing of me and my cold black heart, or that's are a you fail- a Nazi dad? That's a failing. No, no, no. no I am not sympathizing with Nazis, but like you said, you you just brought up a couple minutes ago, this movie humanizes Germans. I would go further than that. I don't think the problem is... I, I don't want to sound like we would disparage Germans either way, but like this movie humanizes Nazis by making them buffoons, by making them ridiculous, <laughs> moronic. Yeah. Like, But like uh, Sam Rockwell, I think Sam Rockwell was amazing as Colonel K. I think he was great. And but it never ever lets him off the hook either for being a terrible Nazi who did terrible shit. I I see him as this person who knows what they're doing is wrong, but he's stuck in it. He can't... He doesn't have the courage. He even says, your mom was a good person, a real good person. As if to say he isn't a good person. I would I would argue that I think he is not a good person. But I think he recognized what they were doing was wrong somewhere along the way. But he, you're right. He's already in it. And I would say at some point along the way, he did something terrible. You know, he's a high-ranking right. SS officer. Like, he's done terrible shit. Um, and But, like, that's what I think is is good about him is he knows what JoJo is doing. He knows that they're, he knows that girl isn't really his sister. 
He he lets them. He off lets the it hook. all slide, and at the end of it, he he knows he has to pay for what he did. Like, and that he is, doesn't get off the hook. No, he doesn't get off the hook, and he doesn't try to. He he sends Jojo away. His he, last act is his a act is is to redeem Jojo, and I think that is what makes him a good character. But I don't think he's a good person. You know what I mean? Like it's right. e- it's easy to see him as a good person because he's so he's such a buffoon. He's so he's drunk all the time. He's miserable. <laughs> <laughs> like that whole him and uh, and Theon Greyjoy and Rebel Wilson. Like they're just. By the way, this is the only thing I've ever found Rebel Wilson remotely funny in. I. I do not think she is. It's a, everybody talks about how hilarious she is. I've never seen it, but I, I think everyone has their own comedy. I style. think uh, I, I think Taika Waititi really gave her some amazing things to do. <laughs> uh, but uh, one of the funniest bits in this movie is where she's strapping grenades to children, to children. and telling them to hug soldiers. Yes, and. Uh, and when Jojo shows up and she's like, oh, we need someone to walk the clones. Yeah. And like those little details, like just mocking Germans and, and, and Nazis and the eugenics programs, all these horrific things. And it's just, it's taking the piss out of them by mocking them. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I love about what this movie yeah. does. Um, um, it also... That's why I think Hitler as this ridiculous Let's talk about man child yes. is he it works so well because he he does have some terrifying moments. Like he gets serious and like he rants at Jojo sometimes to remind him that he's a Nazi. Well he's also Jojo. Like he is. He is ridiculous because he is Hitler as imagined by a ten year old boy. Um but just to portray Hitler in that way where he's like, do you think my pants should be baggy? <laughs> like <laughs> like uh, all the weird little things that he's... What is she burning? What are you burning? <laughs> she can't hear you. What are you burning? <laughs> it's, um, yeah, all of the... And he keeps offering him cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm uh, sorry, I'm stressed out. <laughs> Like everything, everything about it is so, I think, just refreshing and funny. And uh, it's just that thing about like you take the power away from something terrible by by mocking it. You know, like it is a mockery of Hitler at the same time as being an imaginary friend to a 10 year old. Do you remember when people were mad about this movie coming out? Um, I I remember that people who clearly didn't see it were angry. You know what I mean? Like they were like, "Oh, the director of that funny Thor movie is going to make a movie. He's making a movie about funny Hitler, right? Like, oh, and he cast himself as Hitler. Like, now I I, look. There is a there is this idea that like, oh, this is edgy and cool. Like, I get people being, um. What's the word? Apprehensive? Yes, thank you. Great minds. Uh, People being apprehensive about that because I think there are a lot of edgy, quote-unquote, comedy, uh, you know, your family guys, your edgy comedians who are like, I'm going to talk about the most off-limits thing. And there's no... Dark humor is just offending people. Right, there's no joke to it. There's The joke is, uh, watch me offend you. 
Yeah. And then I'm going to mock you for being offended. Like there's this, um, and, and like it takes something, someone very skilled to do that and make that work, make the joke about offensiveness or being offended as opposed to the offensive thing. Like, right. There, there's a very skilled person I, to do that. I just think. And most people cannot. I just think it's not fair to judge a movie before you've seen it Agreed. and heard the message. Agree. That's why I'm saying I, I understand people being apprehensive about it. But to straight up a, attack it before it's come out. Uh, this happens every time like any sort of. Um, Catholic lore movie comes out, you know, Da Vinci Code. Right. Uh, uh, Kevin Smith's Dogma. Oh, they're going to mock what we what we stand for. And it's just sort of like, well, you could also see it and, and see if it's making an actual point and, and an Try actual to commentary. To Maybe there's some criticism that, that you do well to listen to. Um, it, there was a, there was a, uh, HBO series or movie that was planned. It had the plug pulled on it, but it was essentially like an alternate history of like, what if the South won the Civil War? I heard about that. Uh, people, I think the Game of Thrones, Benioff and Weiss, uh, the Game of Thrones showrunners were going to do it. Okay. I could, I could be wrong on that. Someone big with HBO was going to do it. Uh, people protested just the idea of it to where they... They pulled the plug on it. It never got produced. I don't think it ever got cast. And it's like, I'm sure this wasn't going to be like a pro-slavery thing. Like there's yeah. a whole Amazon series about what if the Nazis won World War II, uh, the man in the high castle. Yeah. It's like if you heard the concept of The Handmaiden's Tale and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe who wrote that hates women. <laughs> right. It's, I, I really, I get really upset when people protest something that they haven't seen. They don't know the point of it. They don't know how the material is being presented. They just find the idea so offensive. And it's, those are the people I think who, like, your sensitivity, I'm not going to call people snowflakes. I'm not going to, I'm not going to rag on people for being offended by actual things, but like, let the art get made. Like you, you can't judge something you, beforehand. Right. Let the art get made and really listen to what the art is trying to tell you. It, a lot of times it is a legitimate critique of something you love and you kind of need to take a look at it. And this is something where I think they're, they're taking someone who is very much a monster and a real-life historical figure. And everyone can agree, murdered, mostly everyone yes, can agree, that he's a monster. That he's a monster who murdered millions of people. I mean, that is true evil. And to take him and just make him a ridiculous cartoon character doesn't take away the horrible shit he did. But it also is like, this guy is a buffoon, and how dumb were all the people who followed him? And the people and who currently support fascism. Who, 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 who have missed the entire boat of that. Right. It, it is saying something about about following propaganda and terrible... Like, the there's some there's some brilliant imagery in this where the propaganda that Jojo puts up uh, starts to fall down as he starts to lose... He, oh, I hadn't noticed that. Right before he finds his mom. Yeah, he's and fixing he's it. he's starting to waver, and those those uh, flyers are coming down. And they're also faded. They're faded. 
he his belief in it all is already fading um and then his which i i did like um because then it isn't like oh he doesn't turn on the nazis over revenge for his mom like yeah that's the, that's it's not a personal vendetta it, exactly it becomes like that becomes the thing that seals it but he you know he's already wavering and and that's I, this, I, this is a movie about ideologies. Right. So if you had something personal affected, it would kind of ruin the message. Exactly. I mean, there's the there's the samurai story about the he hunts down the guy who killed his master, and and the guy spits in his face, and then he puts his sword away, and he said, "Well, why did you do that?" And he goes, "Well, I can't kill you after you spit in my face because now it's personal." Right. Like I have to I have to do this for the right reason. You know, like there's this thing. And and I feel like this movie does that. But this is what I'm saying about like the propaganda is like this movie is brilliantly made. Like the It the, is. The, so like I I I'm defending myself at this point. Like okay. <laughs> I don't want people to think that I'm knocking the technical brilliance that this movie has. Like I really think Taika Waititi is a great director. He's a great writer director. Sometimes you just don't connect with characters. If this movie, right? But I don't. But I don't know that it wasn't that I. I connected with JoJo. I. I like JoJo. That kid. That kid is a great actor. It's a very charismatic. <laughs> the kid is actor. on screen all the time, and he's holding his own with Scarlett Johansson, with Sam Rockwell, like. These really emotional scenes. He's acting with full-on adults. His face is so expressive. It really is. But the only thing is right at the end when they're dancing to uh, David Bowie's Heroes. Yeah. He uh, can't dance. It's not just that he can't dance. Like, that kid grew like a foot in the making of this movie. Oh, I hadn't noticed. I think he's super tall at the at the end of the movie. Um, I think Elsa might be standing on a box or something. But you can just see it in his physique. He's, he's okay. built different. And, you know, it kind of works. He's grown up a little bit. He's the man of the house. He's He, he says at the end, I'm ten and a half instead right. of ten. He, he's made an adult decision about the path he's going to take. It's it's really, yeah. No, he's, um, that, but the kid is a, a really good actor. He's very surprising. I He's so in the Gestapo scene. Yeah. His horrified expression. Oh, oh yeah, it's intense. He he is just waiting to get caught, and then when Elsa shows up, that scene is is great. That, that scene is a masterclass intention. It's I think everyone in the theater was holding their breath the whole time. Oh, I can imagine. Uh, and the the Heil Hitler uh, <laughs> that was pretty funny. There's a there's a old movie with Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd. It's called Spies Like Us, and they're these two idiots who become like. They get thrown into this espionage thing just to be decoys so the real spies can go. That's all, all right. beside the point. But they end up having to pretend they're doctors in this like uh, in this hospital in the Middle East. Sure. And, and so all these other doctors come in and that's the introduction is doctor, 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 doctor. doctor and they go all. And this was sort of like a replay of that. But the fact that they're doing Heil Hitler is like a, a casual greeting is just so freaking funny and surreal it just adds another <laughs> layer on top of it's it really it's really insane and then everybody who comes in after that they go around the room and do it again and when elsa has to do it oh my god that is that okay let's talk about that just let's okay, break yes. down the comedy of that uh they do it 
when they enter the house, right? With Jojo. Right, and it's funny. And then Sam Rockwell and his boyfriend show up. Right. And, and they do it. And they each do it. So it's just going around and around again. And then when Elsa comes in and they go, Heil Hitler, and she hesitates. And then it's sad. Like this joke that is running and getting funnier every time because it's getting more and more repetitive. Then it just stops and you go, oh, she's Jewish. And this is a huge, is she, you know, it is. It's basically she has to pretend to hate herself. Right. She has to put on this mask. It is the saddest thing. Um, It's really brilliant how he makes you almost, you don't forget but then it brings it back into perspective. No, but to yeah, to bring the the idea that um, here's this joke that's absolutely ridiculous and you're laughing at it. Well, now I'm going to challenge you to not laugh at it and yeah. make it, you feel bad for worked, laughing. Right, at or it. if you initially laugh at it because you forget for a second, and then you're like, oh, here we go get oh ooh, ooh. yeah, uh, it's it's brilliant. It's a brilliant joke, um, and she plays it. Super well. I really like her. Thomason McKenzie is her name. Um, Brilliant actress. She's in a series called The King. She was in The Hobbit, Battle of the Five Armies, it looks like. Um, yeah, she really... every Everything about her from uh, the idea that she's feeding false information to Jojo about his book on the Jews, uh, you know, and just telling him these... Sort of mocking his mocking, idea of Jewish people. Are, don't don't you feel dumb for believing this kind of thing? Right. Um, to the way she initially enters, like there's a horror movie element to how she first meets Jojo with her hand in. She's the kind of creeping wall. through because he's afraid of Jews because of everything he's been right. Told, you it's know, like, in his perspective. Sure. Uh, it's all it's all really well done, and I I think. Um, the shift in Jojo's perspective is shown and she sort of her demeanor changes and her sort of acting has to change throughout the movie as they sort of warm up to each other. It's really, it's really a, a, a fun relationship to see. I, it seems like a challenging role to have I would, to switch like that. I would think so. It's, it's really, uh, it's, it's a lot of range. I think in all of this movie and for her to be as young as she is and uh for jojo for uh what's his name roman griffin davis to be as young as he is and have to show that much range you know i think that speaks a lot to to the acting chops of these kids um i wanted to mention because i just realized a similar it's almost the exact same technique as the gestapo scene is when the city is being bombed when they're actually in war. Right. Um, they have all of these jokes. Like they show like almost like it's funny. And then um the guy and his boyfriend show up and it's like, oh, this oh, funny my moment. God. And the the uniforms right. that he designed. Yeah. But but then it goes it shows everyone you've seen already and their dead bodies. And like Yeah. It just it reminds you, oh, this isn't funny. I would say the the actual like invasion of the city is maybe the I don't want to call it the weak point. I get what he's doing, 
but it just, it does feel like we've already hit the climax. It, exactly, it it feels added on, and I I think there are that's my pacing issue with this movie is is that war scene was straight out of nowhere. Um, the scenes where he is interviewing Elsa, you know, and she's mocking him like we were just talking about. Yeah, there's like two or three of those where it's sort of like, did we need every one of those scenes? Like we get we get what the book is, we get what he's doing, we get what she's doing. There's just some repetitive nature and some things that feel a little bit shoehorned in. And I kind of think some of that stuff comes from the book, but didn't necessarily need to be in the movie. I It is hard to adapt a book like that. For sure. I think that that book sounds like it, it is actually tackling a lot of different issues and doing it in a unique way. And just like this movie. Just like this movie is. I think I think it's just a worse format for it, I think. Maybe. Maybe. There's... I think I think I think it tackled as many issues as it could. Uh they just didn't all seem to hit home with Movies me. just have less time and the pacing has to be different. For it's something difficult. that complicated for sure. But um overall, uh unless you have do you have any any other uh Points you wanted to bring up, or I—I I think we touched on it all. I, I think I think we did. I—I I, again, I would recommend this movie. I d- I'm not crapping on it. Something just failed to hit home with me. Uh, but this is a technically very well-made movie. It's a, a really solid comedy. It's a movie I'm gonna watch, and it's a really a solid, more. solid drama. I—I I, I think it does everything very well. The connection with me does not take away from what I think of this movie. I think I would recommend this movie to almost anybody. I, th- I think this is a really watchable movie for any any adult. Right. I, I also want to point out that this is probably, apart from Thor Ragnarok, one of the highest budget movies that Taika Waititi has made. Oh, and yeah, I would he, imagine. He has these connections to bigger actors now, and it's so exciting to see... This is a great director who made his breakthrough and now he's getting to make what he wants with really equally talented people. Sure. And it's, it's refreshing. I mean, to have Sam Rockwell and Scarlett Johansson in your movie right. is a pretty big feat. Both of them and are... Scarlett Johansson. We need that Asian representation, of course. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen Ghost in the Shell, therefore I will not... Neither judge it. it. Okay, uh, just making a joke. It's um, fine. Uh, I I wonder if um, I really think they they were in the. I, I think Taika Waititi has enough clout and has enough acclaim that there are probably big name actors who want to work with him now. Right. Uh, but he also has like MCU connections to them since doing Thor. So it it is sort of like. I wonder if he pulled some strings there, or if that's how people were able to get in contact. He's, he's with like, him. "Fine, I'll direct Thor four, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna take some let's of your." Let's see. Actors. I'm gonna take Rockwell, and I'm gonna take uh, Johansson. Yeah. All right. Let's go. He, he really wanted <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. Get, get, on the, get on the bus. We're going to New <laughs> Zealand. Um, yeah. No. I. I think. Uh, I think Taika Waititi is definitely on his way to bigger movies. I like Thor. I like that he got to do what he wanted to, but I really hope he doesn't do much more franchise work. He is doing the next Thor movie. Is he? I I, I hope they just give him free reign like they did on Ragnarok. I think 
I hope so. I too. think the only way I think Taika Waititi is one of those people like Edgar Wright, uh, who, and I think honestly Ryan Johnson, Last Jedi right. aside, I think these are people who really are their best selves when they are allowed to just do what they want. Well, I think everyone is, but... I don't know. I think some people are are franchise directors who are like, give me my parameters, give me my script, and let me run with it. People who write their own material and direct it have a very clear vision of what they want. They're making art. They, they are. And I think to once you put them in the box of a franchise... I. I've spoken at nauseam about this right uh, on several shows. <laughs> Sorry, everybody, but like I, I really, I want Taika Waititi. Even if he makes franchise work, even if it works for Marvel for the rest of his life, I always want him to come back and do his own thing too. Like, I, I think Marvel kind of learned their lesson. Like with Edgar Wright, things didn't work out, and then Ant Man kind of sucked, and <laughs> uh, they let Taika Waititi. They were like, fine, we have this failed trilogy we'll just give it to him i, I think that's what a lot of it was and yeah. it's one of their most successful Here, and raved about we don't, movies we don't care what you do with thor as long as you keep him alive so we can use him in the big avengers movies you can play like, with my toys just bring them just back make sure they all come back uh yeah no i think i think there may be something to that so um yeah on that note uh i'm gonna close it out with my recommendation you clearly would recommend this movie. I would reckon wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. I would recommend Taika Waititi's work as a whole. I think he has a... I haven't seen everything by him. He doesn't have a ton of of movies. I haven't seen the What We Do in the Shadows TV show yet. Have you? I've seen part of the first season. Um, Is is he involved with that? Is that his... he, He is. I don't think he acts in it. I'm not sure. But... Uh... I do think he was behind the scenes. Hunt for the Wilder People is That's another good one I've heard. I've not seen I've not seen that one. Um Oh wow, he and I are the same age. Don't I feel unaccomplished? Um It's the New Zealand blood image. <laughs> yeah, he's actually younger than me. Great. Um yeah, he he's not made a ton of stuff, but what he's made, I he's one of those guys who like everything he makes is sort of like it's an Edgar Wright thing. He, you know? he thinks about it. Like, he knows right. what he wants to do. It's a very clear vision. He's and, not just going to take any project. You know, kudos to him. And he's a... I don't know if this is a compliment or not. He's a great Hitler. He's a he's a great Adolf Hitler. He does play Adolf I, Hitler. I think he's movie. a great uh, actor in general. Uh, um, yeah, he is. He is good. And he's, he's a couple things in uh, Thor Ragnarok. He is. He's the guy who's like, piss off, ghost! And he, he kicked right. the rock monster guy. Right. Uh, I, I was watching Infinity Train the other week, and Taika Waititi was voice acting in one of the episodes. Oh, for real? It threw me <laughs> off guard. He was playing, like, this shape-shifting water creature, but it was like, I know that voice. That is pretty wild. It was. Um. Okay, well, I guess... So, uh, what are your recommendations? My recommendations as a my shout outs. Yes, are we not there yet? Um, I don't know. I Did just I jumped the gun. A, no, no, yeah, we're here. Okay, okay. All right, my shout out uh, this week. I have a. I have an album. An album. I have an album of music by it, who? 
This is an album by a guitarist named Clint Wells. He's a musician. He's a studio uh, and session and touring musician. He plays with a lot of bigger acts, uh, sort of a guest guitar, you know. Uh, uh, an opening. A, a songwriter, a, you know, a one-name songwriter, someone like Bob Schneider, you know, someone who doesn't have a band. Right. Goes into a studio and then they hire musicians to tour with them to come in studio. He's one of those guys. He's a guy who does a lot of session work. Um, he also does a podcast called I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay uh, with Bob Schneider, who I followed for years. Good anyway, name. Um, it is. It is. It's a funny, just bullshit two guys talking yeah. show. Uh, but he did. He put out an album called Quarantine Covers, and it is just a collection of, let's see, 13, 13 cover songs that he has made and produced, uh, mostly himself. He's had some guest musicians in there. They're guitar covers? Uh, no, he sings as well. Oh, uh, okay. He, he's an all-around musician. He is primarily a guitar player. Right. Uh, but he, he put this album out, and it's great. A, a lot of the arrangements are really kind of slow and melancholy. Uh, he's got songs by the Beatles. He's got uh, Tom Petty, R.E.M., Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here. Uh, that's a great one. Uh, U2, Simple Minds. There's just, I mean, he's... He's it's a great lineup. He's really put together a really solid album of covers. It's available on Bandcamp. Uh, you can stream it for free, and you can download it uh, for a name your price. Uh, if you're going to do that, please don't be cheap. Don't, you know, put a buck on there. Give it what it's worth. Give it what it's worth. I threw them a few bucks and downloaded the album. These are touring, independently employed musicians who are unable to perform right now. It's quarantine. And, People are having a tough time right now. And a lot of these People are putting out albums. They're producing albums. They're producing things that they can put out to supplement their income. If you enjoy an artist, especially a small band, uh, please find what they are doing to to get some support and and kick them a few bucks. Don't just stream it and play it cheap. I really recommend this album. It's great, and and it helps support an independent musician. That's a great message, and it sounds like a great album. It really is. I've been playing it all week. Uh, so uh, please go check it out. That's Clint Wells' Quarantine Covers, and it is available on Bandcamp. What do you got this week, Oz? All right. Uh, my recommendation is a fellow podcast. Uh, unlike us, it's a fictional podcast. Uh, it's a story. An audio drama. Yeah. Cool. Uh, it is called King Falls AM, um, and it's about... This small town, it's a radio show, basically. Okay. Uh, these two radio DJs, uh, Sammy and Ben, are going about their day in this weird small town in the mountains. And on their first episode, their very first night, a UFO abducts someone. And the town kind of just goes crazy after that. Uh, and it's been going on for a while. I don't remember when it started, but it's... It's at a hundred episodes now. Okay. Um, they're currently on hiatus, but I love to just throw it on in the background and listen to them talk. And then every once in a while, just like some random, crazy, something will happen. Small town yeah. shenanigans will happen. It's really fun. Well, you gotta love paranormal audio drama. I. It's a must-have genre. Ake Willow. Uh, 
uh, Night Vale. Yeah. All that stuff. It's it's really fun. On that note, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. If you enjoy our show, please leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice. It really helps our visibility and helps us grow the show. Another way to help us grow is to tell a friend about us. If you have a movie fan in your life, uh, tell them about us. They'll like us. They will. We're likable guys. Please. Please. Please please be our friend. We need it. Uh, looks like I've got the the wheel next week. You do? What's your pick? Uh, before I give the pick, I do want to announce our Halloween movies are coming up. They are. This is our last non-Halloween movie before October. Uh, so you and I are going to... we. We got a couple picks each coming up, and we're going to be watching some scary movies. Right. Four weeks of uh, October. Spooky movies. Uh, But before that, we're just going to kick it off with, uh, or not kick it off, we're going to close out our regular movies with some good old fashioned, straight up ass kicking. We're going to watch Haywire. Uh, Haywire. Haywire. This is another Steven Soderbergh. Uh, He directed Logan Lucky that we watched a few episodes ago. Right. Uh, He directed this spy action movie. Uh, It's probably 10 years old now. Uh, It stars Gina Carano. Uh, You may know her from The Mandalorian. I don't remember her character's name in The Mandalorian. I I think I know. Um, She's a former MMA fighter. And it is basically her just kicking and stomping her way through uh, a cast of, like, Ewan McGregor, I think Michael Fassbender. This is insane cast of actors. And it's a uh, spy plot, and it's just her just stomping her way through. this. It's a ton of stunts. It's a great action movie. Everything's super well directed. Uh, I, I, I've not <laughs> seen this movie since it was pretty new. It's a really impressive movie i don't think there's anything too deep in it we're just gonna have fun with it i'm excited uh it's on it's on netflix if ever anybody wants to watch it along with us uh i really recommend uh you know turn it on it's a it's a cool weekend movie and i think we're just gonna have some fun just talking about kicking some ass yeah (laughs) that'll be it uh haywire haywire by steven soderbergh all right austin give us your social medias all right, I'm at austin.n.rude on Instagram and TikTok, and then austinnrude on Twitter. And I am at philrude on Twitter, at philrude75 on Instagram, and my website where I'm posting all the uh, episode information is philrude.com. Austin, you want to read the credits for us? Sure, we do everything ourselves. There you have it. We'll see you next time on The Picture Show. See ya.